Welcome to episode 112. The topic of today's discussion is stop looking for external answers. Too often in life we are doing exactly that. We are seeking answers everywhere outside of ourselves. We choose to dismiss our own intuition. Meanwhile, the answer is inside. If you slow down and choose to listen to your inner voice. Today's guest is Shona Matson. She is a visual artist and author of The Wealthy Peasant, and she started her first business in 1988 when there weren't jobs that would accommodate life as a single mother with two girls from Edmonton, Canada. Shona's advice for single parents is create a vision for yourself and your little family. You get to decide on your path and reach out and ask for help. Don't stop learning. Thank you for reviewing, downloading, and subscribing to our podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with one of your friends. Enjoy this conversation with Shona. If you'd like to suggest a future topic for the podcast, please fill out feedback form located in episode notes. Something exciting happened as a result of this podcast on December 9, 2022. Soul Parent Book, Inspirational Wisdom and Guidance on Navigating Life as a Single Parent was born. This is a collection of the most inspiring and powerful stories from wonderful guests over the last 33 months in my podcast, Single Parent Success Stories. Stories of accomplishments, challenges, and breakthroughs of single parents as well as experts to help navigate the post-divorce journey. When I started my podcast, my goal was to create a guide to single parents by sharing inspiring stories that remind us there is light at the end of the tunnel. Nothing is lost. It's an opportunity for a rebirth and a reinventing of yourself. It's an opportunity to look at life and become conscious of where you are headed and an invitation to create a life by design. If you like to get a copy of the book, please follow links in the episode notes. All proceeds are going to the Kinship Charity. Welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. I am your host, Irina Shehovtsov, and I am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future. Single Parent Success Stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. Hello and welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today's guest is Shona Matson. Shona is a visual artist and author of The Wealthy Peasant, her amazing book about her life story. <laughs> she is a single mom of two girls from Edmonton, Canada. Welcome, Shona. It is a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Irene. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to talk about this, the topic of being a single mom. It's very, I'm passionate about it because we have magic. I swear to God, we single mothers are magical. We have superpowers. Oh, wow. Thank you. I think we often don't, don't dismiss it or take it for granted or don't recognize it. So good That's reminder. Right. That's a journey. That's a journey. So please share with us your story. How did you become a single mom? What were some of the challenges that you faced along the way? Well, I was a single mom when um, the children's father didn't want to be a dad. And uh, so I was, I had uh, two babies. I had 
Erica is my oldest girl. Now they're, of course, they're grown up and uh, they have children of their own, but it was like, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Um, the biggest challenges I had, and I'm sure most single moms do are, first of all, was financial. How am I going to raise these children? Because I, at the time, you're thinking early 80s, they didn't um, have the support systems that they do today where I, I did not receive support. Um, I $150 a month when you have two children is not support. I couldn't find a job that would pay me more than $6 an hour because I was a prior to being a mom, I was a waitress, a really good waitress, but I was a waitress and the hours wouldn't work for me. $6 an hour just didn't work for me. So I, um, I, I came across this business program Keeping in mind, I had a grade nine education at the time. So again, I didn't have a, a degree to prove that I could make more than $6 an hour. Well, we have an incredible um, talent as, as women and as moms to create something out of nothing. And that became my, 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 that's my superpower. That's all of our superpowers. If we tap into it, I created a business and my first business was in 1988. One thing I discovered, and as, as I was moving through the process of trying to build this business, I was broke. I was digging through cushions to find change, to go to the store, to buy milk. Um, I got to the point where I had to pay rent and I didn't have the money. Rent was coming up. I, I thought about who could I reach out? I could talk to my uncle. He had money. I could reach out to my siblings. Um, I was looking for the answers out there. When I discovered, I, 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 got, I got ticked off and decided this isn't working. So I got out a piece of Bristol board, uh, some heavy paper, like poster board and a pencil. And I started drawing and I drew a, a, a portrait of um, Sitting Bull. I found a photo of him in the library because we didn't have Google back then. And <laughs> I, I did this drawing and I took it to an old boss of mine and I showed it. He said, um, well, I'm not interested in buying it, but I know who might. And he sent me to a friend of his who worked for CBC Radio. So I hiked over there and... Uh, I showed it to him and he said, how much do you want for it? And my rent was $325. I, that's what I want, $325. And he reached in his pocket, pulled out some cash and he handed it to me. And I, I later learned that, you know, this was all set up by my boss. I mean, he phoned ahead, and which is fine. It doesn't matter. What I learned from that was I had the tools at the time to make it right. To, to do what I needed to do to move forward. And I really, really, I, 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 it came to me that I, I could move, I could do anything. And I, and that's what I did. I sat down and I made a list of assets, things that I could personally do with what I had doing an inventory. And I made a list and the list was long and it didn't include going to my uncle or trying to get the children's father to, you know, come up with some money. Actually, they disappeared anyway, so it didn't matter. I was on my own. And um, that was one of the biggest challenges moving forward. And, you know, another thing too, back in the day, there's there was a real stigma around being a single mom. 
and people looked at people looked at me differently. I, who, you know, it, it, and that's where, okay, so wealthy peasant, the word peasant in here um, really relates to how I felt about myself in comparison to what people saw me as, right? It was, they saw me as a lower class citizen because I was a single mom. And I'm sure that that stigma still reigns true today for a lot of women that are that are struggling with you know survival and i've discovered that survival the, the difference between survival and thriving is internal because the more we look to other people to solve our problems or outside sources to solve our problems we stay in victim mode rather than leader mode and and thriving means to me thriving means digging deep and coming up with the answers myself so it took years I mean my children were mine on my own for years and um actually my oldest daughter didn't meet her father until she was 16 so I I tell my story in in my book and wealth to me is non-financial because we have we are wells of information we have the tools in, inside of us each one of us have gifts and it's just about finding those tapping into them to really bring those out and I was I, I feel like I was really blessed with um, the ability to draw paint and I wasn't that great at it back then you know, I wasn't um, I couldn't afford to take classes uh, and it, my children, to get involved, I never wanted them to know that we were so poor because we were poor. So um, I used to tell them how rich we were. And I would tell, well, but well, mom, we don't have any money. I said, look how rich we are. Look, at we have a house, we have dish, we, you, you're in programs, you, you get to play the, 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 um, the saxophone. My youngest daughter was in ballet. Could I afford those things? Absolutely not. But we had community events where I could go and volunteer and I would volunteer and you'd get credits. It's like these little stamps you get for doing all the volunteer work and you could put those towards programs for the children. And that's what I did. So that's how I put my my children through most of the programs that they were involved in, swimming and, and saxophone and things like that, music lessons. Um, so, you know, the challenges of a single mom, it's, 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 we're, we're faced with so many, there's so many things that any mom has to do, but when you're doing it on your own and you're starting from a blank slate, really, because I didn't have the education and I didn't have, um, any money and, and those are, those are key pieces or are they? So it's about turning things around and looking because everything has more sides to it than just one perspective, turning the lens around, looking at it differently. You're so right, because we always usually see the negative side of things, the ego screaming when something is going against our beliefs, our values, uh, but we don't see the other side and everything in life is a duality. There is always a negative, a positive, or one side of looking at things in another. And in any situation, if we look at it, what positive thing is there now that I currently cannot see? And starting to elaborate on that and opening up your mind to the possibility that there is something else out there. 
Yeah. And finding the answers within, like to your point, oftentimes we go out and seek counsel from therapists, we trust our health to doctors, we believe to everything they say without any questionable doubt, because that's how we were growing up, respecting figures of authority and trusting them more than we ever trust ourselves. 100%. And you know, you said something there that's really important, because I always, I always feel I've been, tra- I, <clears throat> for years, I've trained um, after I started my first business, it really evolved over time. And for years, I trained uh, new business owners on how to write a business plan. And, and one thing I said to them, and I d- still do today is our greatest tool as humans, and especially as women, I think are, is our curiosity. Because the more we're curious we are about anything, we dig under rocks, we lift rocks up to see what's underneath there. We don't just take everything at face value. And it's, I, I have a, I had a friend that she would not make a decision without going around and asking everybody what they thought first. And to me, that's, <clears throat> that gives you such a shallow perspective on anything and it and it's also avoidance really I believe it's also avoidance because we're avoiding being accountable and and um, making decisions from our soul or our heart rather than you know instead they're going outside again for for somebody else's opinions on things before we can actually move forward yeah Knowing what you know now, what kind of advice would you give to your younger self? Okay, well, um, be very discerning about who you're going to talk to about any topic. First of all, have a vision. Decide for yourself where you want to be, not just like five years is a long time, but if you, if, if you, Shauna, young Shauna, young, beautiful Shauna, can think of where you want to be in five years um, with my career, with my children, with everything in my life, it gives me a target. Otherwise, you're going in circles um, and you become um, like you, you become like a leaf in the wind and the wind is in control of everything. S- Going flying by the seat of our pants can work, but it's stressful. And we don't always land where we want to land. At least if we have a vision to work toward, it, it's 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 incredible. It's almost magical. The minute we are very, very clear on a specific thing that we're working towards, like a business, like a book things start to come into play, fall into place. The universe seems to rally in your favor to fill in the blanks. You don't need to know the how. And that was a really tough lesson for me to learn over the years is I don't need to know how, I just need to know what I want. It simplifies, it simplifies your life. And, um, oh, another thing, I guess I should point out too that, I I was diagnosed with ADHD back five years ago. And I thought, boy, that certainly explains a few things because I can get on a topic and go this way and then back and this way and then back. Um, Hopefully I come back to where the question started, but I kind of wrote my book like that too, which makes it kind of funny. 
that in itself, and there's a big percentage of people that have ADHD. Anyway, the focus piece is it, it's really important to know where you're focusing your energies and starting with the end in mind and working, you know, towards where we're at today. That that would be the biggest piece I would have given myself if 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 I could talk to Shauna um 32 years ago. That would have been awesome. I and love, I love that advice. And I would have said, good for you, Shauna, for teaching your children to think abundance mentality at such a young age. I had, it was funny. Um, Amy, my youngest, was six months old and I was sitting on the front step. Um, Eric was having a nap. She was four. Ba uh, baby was sleeping. And I was sitting on my front step. We just moved into this new townhouse. It was subsidized housing, but it was a nice townhouse. And this lady came across the parking lot and she was the mom of my oldest daughter's friend. So they, there was a connection there. And she came across the parking lot and she's introduced herself. And she said, must be nice to have so much money. Pardon? And she, she went on about how, you know, I'm on my own. I've got these kids. I'm doing things that, you know, I'm doing this start and I don't have to go out for, to get a job because I'm working from home and, and I thought, isn't that interesting that that's the perception she has, but it's also the perception, I guess I was revealing that not verbally. I never, I didn't have to tell anybody where we were at and there was no point to it. But the point that my point to this is, is that was the reflection that she saw and my children grew up in that. It was, it was interesting. They, uh, today they have very high standards of one is a um, has her master's in communications and and the other gal my youngest daughter sells insurance she's a rock star salesperson they've done very well for themselves and they've never felt that they were ever poor they remember different things yeah. I love it it's all about perception and going back to the point we only see one side of things so from outside this is what that person saw without knowing all the details. And yet, there's a, a, a quote I read again the other day. It said, you know, other what other people think of you is none of your business. And I like that because it's true. It's 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 their business. It's what they're dealing with. Um, I'm doing a, a talk at the end of the month and we're talking about determination and resilience. Now, the story I talk about in my book about um losing my my courage to paint it happened when I was working for a company and my boss was she was a bully and she was not she she was a bully and uh she asked me to do a painting for her a watercolor painting um she knew I was painting a mural for another co-worker and she said yeah I'd like a watercolor painting but I want a really big one well, at the time, a sheet of watercolor paper, it was $320 and it was, it was a stretch to, to purchase this one sheet of paper. Um, but I did. And she wanted to come and see, I, I told her that I'm making some progress on it. And she said, well, I'd like to see some more of your work. And I said, okay. So I got all excited and, and she, she had money. She was, she was well well healed. She lived in an expensive home in a, an expensive neighborhood. And she, she was coming to see me. So what I did is I got all my, a bunch of paintings out. 
I borrowed a couple easels from other artists that I knew, and I set it all up in my living room like an art gallery, and I printed off these little tags with the names and the prices, and I was so proud. And, and then I had her painting that I was working on on my drawing table. When she came over, she came in the in the in in my living room, and she looked around and just her vibes were so negative. Anyway, she went from painting to painting and painting. And she looked at me and she said, you've got something really dark going on in there. As she pointed to my chest. I said, what do you mean? Yeah, just looking at your paintings. Okay, well, thank you. And I said, um, did you, this is the one I'm working on for you. Yeah, that's not really what I was thinking, thinking of. And she left. And that was it. It was, it was quick. It was in less than five minutes. It tore the heart out of my body. I sat in the middle of the living room, legs crossed, hands in my head, in my hands crying. I thought, what, what just happened here? It was awful. I doubted myself. I doubted my ability to ever do this again. I thought I, I felt like a loser within a minute. I gave my power away. I put so much weight into what she thought because I thought she was here and I was here. Yeah. We often, it's that terrible how easily we, we give away a power and get ourselves into that state to this person who, who could be just, <laughs> maybe she had a bad day and now she poured it out all on you. And now you received it and then you in, in, integrate it and put it yourself took, into it this. Was, it's true, Irina. And it took me 20 years to muster the, I can do this. I can do this. 20 years, I let that voice on my shoulder in my head, you know, talking in my, but I internalized it and took it to heart. I took it personal. Ain't, no, no, no. That's another thing I would have said to myself so many years ago. Don't take things personal. Yes, it's actually, uh, there is a good book by Don Ruiz, and this is one of the agreements. Don't take things personally. The four agreements? The four, the four, the four agreements yeah. by Don Ruiz. Don't take things personally is one of them, because oftentimes we assume. And if somebody had a bad day and they came and they told and he's like, oh, it's about me. But it's not about you. It's whatever they carried and whatever didn't work out in their life. So yeah. don't take yeah. other people's stuff. No, that's their stuff. That's their stuff. So whatever her stuff was, it doesn't matter. But so what I helped you it. after 20 years? What helped you release that? Oh, um, well, I started working with a life coach and um, just working on my mindset and understanding, you know, you don't take things personal, but writing my book, um, I started it about 10 years ago, really. And just getting things out to where I, I put, putting things on the table, where does this limiting belief begin? Okay, so not being good enough. That's basically what the limiting belief was that I carried. Where did that start? 
Well, on a timeline, it went back a lot further than her. You know, it wasn't her fault. What she's Kate, what she said, she said, those are just words, but that the way it affected me is because that timeline stretches back to when I was a child and my father, and I talk about my dad quite a bit in here. He just read my book and whoo, um, you know, when, with parents saying that you're, who do you think you are, right? Um, how dare you cry? You have no right to cry. Go to your room. You know, those old, those, those things build up. And a friend of mine who teaches grief counseling, she said, we start with an empty suitcase as a young child. And as, as we move through life, we add these boulders of that, that create grief, their, their trauma, their trauma based instances or um, reactions or um, yeah. Uh, and that the suitcase gets heavier and heavier and heavier over time. And until we learn how to unpack that, um, we will never let go of it. And, and we all know people that carry grief and anger well into their later years um, because they haven't recognized what that is. And so that's what I've done. I've spent a lot of time um, working on myself and I study um, mindset. I study spirituality. I write um, continuously on um, both topics and um, I'm, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious as to how people work, how I work, and I'm always growing and learning. I don't think we ever get there, right? It's, uh, and I don't think I ever want to, I think if when I get there, I'm going to be horizontal. I want to stay vertical for a while. Because <laughs> we are just uh, like a layers of an onion as, and learning, like as soon as you peel one layer, you peel another, as you get more deeper into yourself and you more learn more about yourself and the world in general, uh, learning never stops. We can just, as they say, as you become better, you will have different challenges in your life. And what bothered you a year ago could be like a joke this this time around. And as more... And, I call challenges never stop, learning never stop. You just get bigger problems and bigger with a bigger learning. Now you can handle them and you can tackle them and you, and you can move forward. If we can look at our problems and our challenges as opportunities instead, we're a hundred steps ahead of where we were yesterday, right? Because they are opportunities. Totally, yes. Lessons, because in life there is no failure. Everything is a feedback. It's for us to learn to take on those learnings and then make a different decision next time, make a different choice, hopefully leading us to a different uh, universe, a different uh, pathway on the way of living. Yes. And, and one thing that I've discovered too, is the more, the more I learn about myself, um, the more comfortable, of course, I am in groups and in, um, for years, I felt that, you know, I really struggled with the imposter syndrome in business because I didn't have a business degree. So I felt I worked really, really hard and I studied and I, I, I took courses like crazy because I wanted to, I never had the opportunity to go to university because I still hadn't finished high school. Right. So yeah, they don't, they don't like a, a leapfrogging from grade nine into, you know, university business school anyway um i don't know why but um i 
where was I going with this? The more I learn, the more comfortable I've become, the more confident I've become with everything I'm doing, but also as an artist and a writer and creating, that has gotten more rich. We become a richer, deeper, um, more content. And the, the creativity just, ooh, the ideas are bigger, better, more fun, or as my daughter would say, funner. They're funner. <laughs> so tell me, how did you discover that, that happiness comes from within and that we need to focus more on ourselves? How did, did you discover that? Um, by, well, I look at the world around us and the dysfunction in our world, the dysfunction in society, in nationally, globally, community-based families. And the common problem I see is shame and blame. Those are the two things that keep us separate as human beings. There is the common denominator between all of us is the fact that we're human we have we have souls we have minds we have it doesn't if we all had if we were all blind we wouldn't know what color of our each other's skin was um if we if there was how can i put this i i've got a visual of what what we're talking about here Going, going inside, when I go back to what we said before is when we have all the answers from ourselves, for ourselves, when we become the very best people that we can be, what happens is there, it's, there's a ripple effect that slowly reaches out to our partners and my dogs and um, the, the community. And we start to attract people that are in alignment with that same um, level of self-awareness. And when that happens, that ripples out into their lives. And we can't do it the opposite way. We can't look outside hoping that we're going to be fulfilled inside. It doesn't work that way. So we, rather than going out into the world and blaming other people for our lot in life or shaming people for where they're at because we don't feel fulfilled, turning things around and, and focusing on where we're at and becoming the best, very best versions of ourselves has a much greater impact globally. Once we reach, I, I know this because I, I, I mean, it works in everything else too. The, the, the critical mass, once we reach a critical, a point where we've got critical mass and, and, and groups of people working together to support each other in their own individual expressions, right? And supporting that, it's going to have an impact globally, eventually. I hope in my lifetime. <laughs> Um, one thing I I um, I did write about in my book, and it's at, near the end of the book. I talk about a workshop that I was um, I was facilitating, and it was I was brought in to do this workshop on marketing with an indigenous group of business owners, 
And I explained to them, because this is what was taught to me by, um, you know, old businessmen, right, that with old, old world ideas, I talked about the hierarchy of needs that um, the psychologist Abraham Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I talked about how it's structured and how we first have to, you know, look after our physiological needs and we need food and shelter. And then as we move up this, this hierarchy of needs at the top is self-realization. We now become, you know, in, in, we, we can work on ourselves and, and self-actualize and, 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 you know, take out, take our wisdom to the world. And I'm explaining this to this group. And they're talking amongst themselves. This was inter so interesting. I just loved it. And I said, okay, what's going on here? And they said, well, actually in our culture, it's upside down. You turn your pyramid upside down and you start with self-actualization because, oh, I just got goosebumps thinking about this. That is where, and that was a, that was such a milestone moment for me. I took my business program that I was teaching and went, what? Because it was not on point anymore. We're now in a world in, in business and in life. We're now at a point where people, um, consumers as well as um, small businesses, they, they, uh, they value personal values. They value people more so than profits. And that's what has to happen. And in order to do that, we have to start with self-actualization, self-awareness, and grow from the inside. Well, I could talk about this all day, honestly. <laughs> but I learned more in that workshop from them than they, than they could ever take away from me. It was wonderful. It was a beautiful day. Another way to say that in any situation, we can always learn something experience okay. something and then lessons learned and move forward that's right what do you think is the most important trait to instill in a child independence mm -hmm. yeah independence and uh critical thinking independence critical thinking creativity Okay, we could put creativity at the front. Now that I, you're asking me this, I'm visualizing. If we put creativity ahead of independence, that would really, yeah, that would plant seeds of, hmm, they all kind of work together. Yeah. Creativity, independence, and critical thinking. Those are the three top. I love that. How do, did you practice creativity with your kids? to instill that value in them with my children yes. oh they have so many stories okay so this goes back to what we talked about earlier about um our our, our superpowers as single moms when you don't have any money and you need something you got you we are very resourceful so at christmas time um we couldn't afford a christmas tree so we made one and we attached it to the wall and then they said well my friends have a fireplace i said that's awesome. We're going to make one. So we did. And we made a fireplace and we, we painted it and attached it to the wall and they crumpled up brown paper for the logs and painted those. And we stacked, attached those to the wall and we had our fireplace. So 
anytime my children and they still say it today okay I know we just make one but it's it happened they're doing it to their with their children now too and there there were many nights you know I'm sure every every mother can relate to this mom I have a science project that's due I have to build a solar system oh when's it due tomorrow <laughs> So I, I have a photo of it too. She's Erica sleeping on the couch. She's, I don't know, in grade seven or eight or whatever grade it was. And there's the solar system that mom made at three in the morning. So she had her science project to take. Yeah. Or mom, I need cookies. When? Tomorrow morning, I have, to, it's my turn to take cookies. So are you kidding me? It's bedtime. So then I'm making cookies. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yes, totally, totally get that. <laughs> Last minute thing. Or sometimes like early in the morning, 5 a.m., I go pick up something because they need something. Yeah. Or you're going to a, at one of their kids, uh, their friends' birthday parties, and you're stopping and to get, grab something from the store, and, and you're wrapping it on the hood of your car as they're going into the birthday party. Oh, man. I, you know, I think, and I I put this in my book, too, the best job I've ever had was being a mom. I loved every age. And that's one thing that I, um, that's, that is, I think that's a big, big key. And I would tell myself that, mind you, I knew this back then, but anyway, I would tell everybody else, focusing on each moment because you know, it's, it's cliche anymore to say, oh, you know, the years go by so fast. I'm not going to say that. What I am going to say is each moment is so special. Um, when I think about sitting with my two kids and just playing with them and, and just focusing on the moment at hand, it was each moment has so much magic in it. And now I get to do that with my grandchildren and I have grandma days and my grandma days are Wednesdays. Um, I moved from, we sold our acreage and moved into the city and that's where I am now. I'm only blocks away from my grandchildren's school. So Wednesdays I go and pick them up and we, they come back here and we have grandma days. And honestly, it's when I'm spending time with either my children or my grandchildren, the rest of the world just disappears on me. I, I don't care what's going on out there. I'm having a good time and I'm a fun grandma. We have a lot of fun. So I'm doing with my grandchildren, what I did with my kids is you want it? Let's make it. We're going to make some, how do we, what can we do with this? What can we create out of this? You know, so um, fostering that creativity, but loving each moment at, and at every age, every age, somebody will say, oh, my kids are seven and eight. Oh, I love that age, but it doesn't matter what age people tell me their kids are. I love that age too. Even those teenage years, when the girls are 16 and driving you crazy, oh my goodness. Yeah. I may not have loved those at the moment, to be honest with you, but I appreciate them looking back. First of all, because they're done. And secondly, they uh, we, we all survived. Um, but they're interesting creatures at that age. Very. <laughs> Do you have any advice for the teenage years? The teenage years? <clears throat> strap yourself in and just <laughs> yeah um uh, you know one thing that in today i find it very interesting um i'm working with my daughter and I, I, a few people that are having problems with their children and screen time 
you know, they can't let go of screen time. And the saddest story I read was a mom that went to a psychologist and, and because she didn't know what to do, her child was so addicted to video games. And so the psychologist was talking to the child and, oh, I cried when I read this, the, the psychologist said to the child, um, are you, are you thinking, what, what do you, what do you like to do outside? Or she asked them, asked the child a question and the child said, are we still in the game? Yeah, that, that's scary. So I'm looking at the whole, the whole idea around screen time. My kids were not allowed. I, I got, I had to save up money to get them a Nintendo. Okay. Nintendo one. And then as, as my, the next Christmas, well, I want a Nintendo too. I said, no, you're good with the Nintendo one and Mario. That's it. That's all you're getting. But I want to, but I really want this. No, no, that's it. Sim, Sim City, Sim City. I think it is Sim, Sim, I, whatever my other daughter, but they weren't allowed any of the violent stuff on. I, I said, no, they can't do it. But now I, I see um, children that are, that are, you know, their screen time is also babysitter time because it's easier to sit them down in front of the TV. And I remember those days, you know, here, go watch TV. I'm busy. You know, it's easy to do. And, but when it comes to um, the internet and video games, learning how to schedule, learning, teaching, not teaching children how to discipline themselves. Say, okay, these, this is your calendar child. This is what you get to do. And you're going to create yourself a calendar and this, this much time out of your whole week, you get to do in front of the screen. So let's decide what that is, because that's that's it, because the rest of your time is taken up with this, 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 and this. So then they're also accountable. They're responsible for how much time they spend in front of a video game or um, YouTube seems to be the big one. And those ones drive me crazy. But the advertising they do to children, oh, that's a whole other topic. But my point is, is I think bringing children in to help them create their own life help them create their own schedule on a daily basis, a weekly basis, and looking and rewarding them based on what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And so them setting goals for themselves and then supporting them in that, that's the only way I believe that they're ever going to decide by the time they're in grade 10, what I want to be when I grow up is they've already been groomed to think in those terms, right? Does that make sense? Totally, I think you make very good sense and an important point, uh, teaching kids responsibility of managing their calendar, their life, uh, instead of just relying that parents are going to just fix it for me and I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah, that's easy to do. That's the, yeah, I've got a little sign on my, my wall here and it says, uh, do what's right, not what's easy, right? Yes. Yeah. Because you know what, when we do something, when we do the right things, eventually everything becomes easy. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Is there anything I haven't asked that you would like to share? Oh, where are we going? Where are we going with everything? What do you think? I think that, uh, I think that we, I just, I just feel that 
it's important, especially right now, you know, you turn on the news, it's mm, scary stuff um, to not be absorbed by the, by the, what's going on in the world. Um, who is it? My aunt, the quote, Neo Angelo, uh, all the water in the world cannot drown you unless you let it get inside of you. And I take that quote as being pretty much anything that's going on in the world, when it begins to change the way you see people and see and, 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 uh, and, and how you feel about your position in life and you, things are rocky or you feel everything's uncertain, it's time to shut it off. Don't let it get inside of you. When it comes to uncertainty, guess what? Things have always been uncertain. We don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. It's about making the most of our day today. Right now is really all we have. Right now with you and me, this is what we have. This is what's most important. It's not about thinking about what I'm gonna be doing next week or three hours from now, right now. And I appreciate this so much. Thank you, Irina. <laughs> I think you make a very good point, you know, being present. And I love this quote from the Peaceful Warrior movie. Uh, I don't know if you watched. There are no ordinary moments. Everything is kind of special. It's right here, right now. There are no uh, coincidences. Everything is happening for a reason. And the fact of being present, because oftentimes we check off, we worry about the future, we obsessed about the past and we're missing out the present. And the present is really all we have. So thank you. You bring a very good point. And I loved our conversation. I could talk for, to you for hours. Anytime. <laughs> if people would like to find out more about you, uh, work with you, learn more about you, where would they go? Well, they can go to my website. It is um, madsonavenue.com. Madsen Avenue. It's a play on Madison Avenue. Yeah, my daughter came up with that. MadisonAvenue.com. Awesome, awesome. I will include all the links in episode notes so people can click on directly. Thank you so oh, much and for coming on. And they can buy the book. Yes, and the book. It's on Amazon. It's right. on Amazon. Yes. yes, we'll include the link for the book as well. Thank, Thank you, so, you much. so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom and your stories. I loved every minute of it. Thank you so great. much. Thank you, Irina. Be well. If you like this episode, please share with somebody who would benefit. You can leave comments, topic suggestions, and add your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It also helps greatly when you download the episode. If you feel lost, emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are, you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love, Mindset, and Support for Relationships, where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again. Because life after divorce is possible and can even be great. If no one told you today, I want you to know that I love you and believe in you, because you are limitless.